from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. This is Danny Russell. I'm joined by Darby Robinson. Hello. And it is April 25th of 2017. We are fully into the 2017 season. Uh, the Rays are playing their 22nd game of the year right now. And uh, just to level set a little bit, uh, the Rays are at the Orioles, who have 13 wins. The Yankees and Red Sox have 11 wins. The Rays have 10 wins. So the division's kind of tight, other than the Blue Jays, who uh, maybe that's a topic for another show another time, uh, only have five wins, uh, just a little over 20 games in. So their season is already in trouble. Russell Martin's playing third base today. And <laughs> I don't think that's a good sign. But Yeah, um, you always love when you have your catchers into the field playing third base. That's a sign of a... And of a really strong start to a season. Yes, a well-constructed roster. And uh, <laughs> roster construction, I think, is going to be our topic for the day. Um, the Rays are 9-4 and four at home and 1-7 and seven on the road. That's the other fun fact I wanted to throw in there. But it looks like the Rays are doing okay against the Orioles right now. Uh, there's one more inning to play, and they're surviving a rainy day, a bullpen day. And I think we'll get to the bullpen. But, Darby, let's jump into the outfield. Um, this year, the Rays entered the season uh, with an interesting mix, uh, bringing back Kevin Kiermeyer on a huge contract extension, a Carl Crawford-esque contract extension, which I'm pumped about. Uh, we could talk about ad nauseum, I'm sure. Uh, and then the plan seemed to be uh, Corey Dickerson or Colby Rasmus in left field, Steven Souza in right field. And I really think we need to uh, look at this holistically. Is this a good outfield? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a, right now we haven't even seen the full outfield yet and right. it's already been very, been very impressive. Uh, we've seen Kevin Kiermaier, Soraya sort of start off, uh, not even as good as he could be. Uh, so I think, so I think, you know, still, still very good, obviously, but, um, you think that bad is going to, that is going to continue to kind of develop there and, you know, him sort of staying in the two hole is a hole is an interesting experiment, but in terms of the corner outfields, uh, even even without kind of the big signing of Colby Rasmus, who uh, is going to be very exciting to see and to see, you know, when he kind of makes his debut, uh, it's been mm-hmm. been crazy crazy good so far. You have Steven Souza Jr. and Corey Dick- Corey Dickerson, who the Rays have really relied on, uh, needed one of the one of those guys at, at least to kind of step up, uh, and both have started off the started off the season um, like a house on fire. Yeah, you're not kidding. So. Um... So Kevin Kiermaier is the anchor, right? I think uh, last season fell apart about the same time as uh, we we stopped coming up with good podcasts uh, because the Rays <laughs> went into a death spiral that yeah. um, completely coincided with Kiermaier breaking his wrist. And uh, I think they only won, what, three out of 27 games during that stretch. It was terrible. And was, he's yeah. <laughs> he's back. He's his old self. Uh, he is the best defender in baseball. His eyes are swimming pools that you just want to go for a deep swim in. Uh, <laughs> he is the number two hitter, as you were saying, uh, which is a huge vote of confidence from the front office who are basically saying, this guy is not only the best defender in the outfield in the entire game, uh, and I truly believe that. I would even edge him ahead of Mike Trout. I don't think uh, 
it's a, a massive discussion to have to say Kiermaier is the best, but we could save that topic for another time. But also they're saying he's the best hitter on this team by putting him in the number two. Um, that has not uh, necessarily bore itself out uh, early in 2017, but uh, Kiermaier's walk rate is still above 10%, and he's been sick this last mm-hmm. week. And so I don't think... Um, you know, they've only been playing him a couple innings at a time the last couple days. So I still think we're new in the season. I still think he's uh, adjusting into being the everyday number two hitter. But it, I thought he's brought confidence to the lineup on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's he's been hitting uh, kind of kind of really impressive, I guess, from the left side um, again against left-handed pitching, I should say, um, which I guess that also might be a little bit of a, a my bar was set very low uh, mm-hmm. and and kind of impressed slash slash worried slash kind of confused as to why Kevin Cash kept him and kept him in the two hole. But you know what? He's kind of throwing that confidence there saying, you know, this, you know, this is this is our guy. Um, you kind of made the sort of Carl Crawford uh, um, kind of comparison. And uh, there's been a lot of sort of talk about, you know, about, you know, could Kevin Kiermaier kind of turn into that type of player? Um, that guy that's a great, you know, terror on the defensive side, uh, who, uh, who uses speed to affect the game, and then also has a bat that can, can make an impact. Now, Kiermaier's defense, especially in center field, is is unbelievable. Um, so with that bat, if he, if he can develop a bat, even kind of a shade close to something that, something that Carl Crawford used to have, that would be huge. And so far in the season, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you know, still super early, but he hasn't looked totally lost against left hands, left handed pitching. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's not put up, you know, the prettiest, the prettiest at bats, some of them, uh, but everything Kevin Kiermaier does is beautiful. So, so I'll, I'll let it slide, but he's, he's still put up, uh, you know, he's walking, walking against left-handed, uh, pitching. He right now it's a, it's a what? 13.3% walk rate against left-handed pitching. So he's kind of mm-hmm. taking, taking what he can get. Um, which is a great approach, you know. That's uh, smash right, smash righties, and take what you can get against lefties. Maybe drop some bunts down, which he's done. He's done. Uh, which normally I'm not a big fan of bunts, but when you have speed and you're fa- and you're facing a tough lefty, yeah, throw down a bunt and make some defenders try, defenders try to try to go get it. Uh, but yeah, Kiermaier is the the key to the kind of the outfield. He's he's the rock, and then the rest of the team sort of sort of goes goes from there. Hitting in front of. Kiermaier this year is Corey Dickerson. Heading into the season, who did you think the leadoff hitter was going to be after the Rays traded away Logan Forsyth? I thought uh, Matt Duffy made a lot of sense, just in terms of similar similar type of hitter to Logan Forsyth, a guy that mm. walks a lot, makes a lot of good a lot of good contact. Um, but then obviously he's been dealing with his Achilles injury, so uh, not so good. But I did not expect expect it to be Corey Dickerson and Steven Souza, depending upon righty or lefty. Uh, uh, pitching uh i think that i don't think anybody really thought it was going to be going to be cory dickerson or Stephen Souza. um but i really enjoyed that 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 idea uh i think it's an interesting idea well cory dickerson dropping that dropping that weight and kind of getting a little bit leaner and faster uh right. that 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 definitely seemed like he you know adds another element to his to his game uh and he has been a pretty effective effective uh leadoff guy so far i mean obviously he's hitting really well um um but yeah, it's a new kind of a role, and uh, yeah, the the lineup lineup with him in in the lead is really been been quite something to uh, to fear from opposing teams. Yeah, this is small sample size theater. Um, Corey Dickerson has twenty games he's appeared in. Souza has appeared in twenty one. 
uh, heading into today. So that's every game. Steven Souza has a 190 weighted runs creation plus uh, WRC plus, and Corey Dickerson has a 184. Which so it is. Corey Di- yes, yeah, Souza <laughs> is beating him by a colossal margin of six. Uh, right. <laughs> so that's 84% above average. Uh, amazing that Corey Dixon is performing that well. His ISO, so his slugging percentage minus his batting average, is a, above 300. And uh, <laughs> that's, which, which that's is silly. Which is just silly. He, yeah, he's leading the team with five home runs heading into this game. Um, hitting on top of the lineup, you lose uh, RBI which I think is not to be understated. I think players tend to talk more about RBI than uh, more sabermetrically oriented uh, writers, thinkers, talkers. But RBIs are important, and he is a formidable force, um, even though he's low on the walks. Uh, He can be high on the strikeouts. So far, he's sitting at like 20% strikeout rates, Corey Dickerson. Um, But oh my goodness, the power is just so intimidating. And... I remember uh, wishing Ben Zobris back in the day would lead off games for the Rays. Mm. Uh, he would typically hit second, and Carl Crawford was up top. But when Crawford wasn't there, uh, Joe Madden would pe- put people out there like B.J. Upton. And mm. I always found that so confusing because I wanted the leadoff hitter to just be scary. I really wanted someone to lead off the lineup that an opposing pitcher would immediately have to say, oh, I got to pitch away from this guy, or oh, I got to be careful here. And I think Corey Dickerson brings... Uh, that mental fortitude, that kind of thing that makes opposing pitchers say, "Why wow, I've already got my work cut out for me. Um, now, it goes lefty-lefty at the top against right-handed pitching, but that's okay. And I think uh, I think it was a wise choice. The other thing about leading off is it's such a mental game that uh, the Rays were really stuck with using Logan Forsyth because they really felt like, look, in 2016, he's the only guy that seems to be mentally prepared and capable and ready to go out there and do that. And they asked him to change his approach before games and all that kind of stuff to get ready. Corey Dickerson, you know, it was less of a hassle to get him to accept a leadoff role. He was just pumped about being in the lineup. And he's taken being a designated hitter sometimes and defending sometimes like a champ. Uh, like you said, he lost 25 pounds, came into the season wanting to defend more often, wanting to be quicker on the bases. Uh, so far, no stolen bases. So, uh, uh, but also, Souza has no stolen bases, and uh, Kiermaier has four for the team lead, I think. But, um, you know, well, in terms I feel of, real in terms good of defending, about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of defending, defending too, he's already, you know, really small sample size, but he's already been worth uh, two defensive runs saved. He's looked comfortable in the outfield. Uh, uh, I mean, he always had a really good range, but, uh, you know, his arm not so great, so great, but he's he's been... Uh, useful in the outfield as well. Oh, um, so you know, going into the season where you, um, obviously I like the idea of the idea of, you know, the power and like the fearsomeness of that leadoff guy. Plus I like the idea of potentially, potentially getting him an extra at bat, uh, a game, you know, leading off, but, uh, uh who, who are you kind of like pegging for that leadoff spot? You know, I didn't think I, uh, cared a ton other than the, the mental aspect. Really. I wanted the player who's going to be able to go out there on a daily basis and say, this is mine. I got this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted somebody to step up and say, you know, this is my job. Come and take it from me. I'm going to lead off these games. And uh, I don't think anyone stood up in that sense. We never got any reports about it. But I really think Dickerson's grown into that role. And 
you know, I'm just super pumped for him. One of the best things about baseball is just watching these players day in and day out and feeling like you know them. And I almost right there said, I'm so proud of him, which is weird <laughs> because I'm not Corey Dickerson's dad. And, uh, but I am, I, I'm just pumped that he's doing so well. And, uh, you know, leading the team in home runs is great. Uh, five is a small sample size, but I think he's going to be a scary part of this Rays lineup all season. Uh, I feel good about, um, him staying healthy the whole year. Uh, someone who might not stay healthy the whole year though, is, uh, the top five wins above replacement in all of baseball. 20 games in Steven Souza jr. So yeah. that's a 1.4 wins above replacement. Um, if he finishes the year with three, that's a great accomplishment. Um, he is an all-star, <laughs> uh, right now, uh, is Steven Souza for real right now? Uh, uh speaking uh, offensively or the whole package. Yeah. So you were, you were, you were saying, you almost said you're proud of Corey Dickerson. I'll just say it. I'm very proud of, of my boy, Steven Souza Jr. I, uh, I feel like um, myself, myself, and then also uh, one of our other writers, JT Morgan, have, have consist- consistently put our necks out there and gotten bombarded for the fact, the fact that we keep trying to say that Steven Souza Jr. Uh, is actually pretty good. And, and uh, he's doing all right. And, you know, yes, we'd love to see him do more. But, uh, hey, uh, hey, he hasn't been that bad as an array. And, you know, as, as frustrating as the 30-plus, almost 35% strikeout rate and whatnot, he's been a, been a, a, a good major league player. He's been an above-average um, um, right fielder. And that's really hard to do in baseball. This year, he has tapped into that amazing power, and he is absolutely just, just destroying destroying baseballs mm-hmm. left and right and right. So is he for real? I, uh, I actually kind of think, think so not, not this level, obviously this is, this is like, he's, he's, he's doing better than trout right now, which is that's nobody does better than trout and trout barely trout can do better <laughs> than trout. So, so no, he's not going to be, he's not going to be this good. Um, but looking at his numbers, they're not that crazy. They're easy. There's, there's a couple that stand out that are definitely going to regress and we'll see how he deals with that. Um, but he's walking a little bit more. Uh, is at 12.2% walk rate. Rate. His he's striking out less. Uh, 25.6%. Still not a low strikeout amount, but lower than his you know nearly 34.4% strikeout rate of last year. Uh, but the biggest thing and uh, uh, something that I think is very encouraging is that he is not swinging outside the zone. That was a big issue. Was his his selectivity with his pitches and what to swing at and what and what not to. Um, so he's right now right now swinging outside the zone about 24.7%. That's that's down from 30.6% last year and 27.5% the year before that or that he's not swinging at pitches that he can't hit and he's and he's waiting on pitches that he can. And if he keeps doing that, that's that's the recipe to a good hitter is swing at stuff that you can drive and lay off the stuff that you can't. Right. He's uh uh his season's been an anomaly. Jim Turvey wrote a pretty great article on Sousa, just wondering how real his changes are. And that went on the site today. Again, today's April 25th. But I would also say that uh, we we just don't know. It's going to take time. Uh, if if being more patient is the, the answer, I, I think that might be true. Listening to Sousa talk about it himself, uh, he was talking about how last season... Alex Cobb came back from injury. Chase Whitley got promoted. These are two of his best friends on the team. And Chad Matola got introduced as the new hitting coach. And all three of those guys just said, 
you know, settle down, dude, be yourself, just be a good hitter, stop worrying about this or that and be true to who you are and just, you know, do what you can to get on base and stop thinking so much. And I, I believe that interview with Neil Solon's also had Neil saying, and you have less time to think about it when you go home because you have a kid now, right? And Susan was like, yes, <laughs> that is true. I don't go home and think about baseball anymore because I have things to do. And I think uh, just maturity growing up, becoming a guy who doesn't swing outside the zone as much because that's not what you're worried about day in and day out. That's, uh, that's great. I think the other thing that was great from Jim's article, though, was he also said, let's not pretend Souza is this amazing contact hitter. His mm-hmm. contact rate is around 70%, and that's abysmally low, if we're being honest. Um, but making wise choices, I think, is going to be key. And that puts more pressure on Souza to get it right every time. Uh, but, I mean, having a low contact rate but being really good I'm just happy that he's really good. So we'll see whether or not it's sustainable all year. Like I said, um, if he can match the rest of the season, his production uh, in the first month, I I feel like that's a success. If he's even better than that, you know, we're going to have problems promoting Jake Bowers. But we should finish talking about the outfield depth because I think that's an interesting point. Uh, The other guy who was supposed to be in the lead uh, four, including designated hitter, was Colby Rasmus. And we haven't seen him yet this year. No, we have not. And uh, that, that, that's that been a pretty tough loss to start the season out, especially with actually with a, as tough an April as the Rays have had. Um, you have a guy I, who's one of the best corner outfield defenders in baseball, and, and he actually has mm-hmm. a pretty good bat. And one of his his best uh, offensive seasons was with was with uh, Mr. Matola in Toronto. So, yeah, it's we're really excited to see the uh, see what Colby Rasmus can do. Yeah, it's interesting because he's also a left-handed hitter, which means going around the outfield, uh, is the only right-handed hitter. So we've got Dickerson, Kiermaier, and Colby Rasmus. The guy who was backing up Colby Rasmus that the Rays thought they weren't really going to use yet was Malik Smith, another guy who looks like a, a world beater in terms of defense, um, maybe even gold glove caliber. I, you know, It's hard to say that Malik Smith would ever see a full season in the outfield. Uh, Colby Rasmus thought he deserved a gold glove last year, but the Rays definitely have a type. It's a <laughs> it's a left-handed hitting, very good defensive outfielder. Uh, Malik Smith also hurt. Uh, Colby Rasmus is on a one-year deal. Malik Smith is still on a rookie contract, and I think uh, it's going to be interesting as both of those players come off of the disabled list. I think we will see Rasmus all the time, and I think uh, Smith probably goes back to Durham, at least for a short while, and I that might even cause waves. We're not really sure right now. What do you feel like his impact was on the team in the first couple of weeks? Malik Smith seemed to be pretty popular. Well, well I, everything you read about and like hear the guy talk, he's just seems, he just seems like a charisma supernova. He, he, you know, he just seems mm. like a really, really awesome guy. And he just seems like a guy you want to be around. And, uh, that's, that's, I mean, the human element of the game sometimes gets lost when you look at just the, the, you know, the raw numbers a lot. Um, but yeah, Malik just seems like a really, really good teammate. He seems very funny, and he brings a very exciting element to the game. I mean, as a as a just as a defensive or defensive replacement pinch runner, he can add that little extra something late in, late in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether that be dropping down a bunt and beating it out, out. Whether that be coming in to pinch run for uh, a guy like a guy like Logan Morrison, and then suddenly taking a, a single. Uh, 
in, into going from first to third, um, or a deep ball in the gap to gap to go all the way home, uh, or just steal in second right off the bat. And really, really suddenly, again, you if you have you know Corey Dickerson at uh, uh, at home plate as a pitcher, and then you have Malik Smith at first base, uh, uh, you're just in a world of uh, your own fresh hell on the on the mound, hmm. where you're like, do I pitch to you know Corey Dickerson? But I better look at her, look uh, look back because Malik Smith takes huge leads and and does not care, and will will get back to first or just steal second before you toss you toss it over. So yeah, he, right. he brings an exciting element. Uh, him going down down for with injury is tough, and him eventually having to potentially potentially go back down to Durham will be an interesting call um if he spends some time down there the rays do get an extra year of control Mm -hmm. but then also there's the very practical baseball element you have colby rasmus who is a better baseball player at this point point um that's nothing against malik smith but in just the aggregate if you're gonna if you're gonna take a defensive left-handed hitting corner outfielder i would take the veteran rasmus right now however however uh what we actually end up doing with that, what Cash does does with what Matt Silverman does, what they decide to do, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a really tough call either way. You you leave him up there, and you you have that that element of a maybe a pinch runner, but he's not he's not getting enough game time. So is that kind of stunting his growth? So it's a uh, I don't envy that call, and uh, I think there's gonna be some people that are gonna be um, upset either way, and that could be the the fans and and the team. I think it's okay. It's going to suck at the time because uh, Malik Smith was uh, promoted to begin the season out of necessity because of injuries, but he really earned his keep. Um, but like you said, if the race put him in the minors for just a couple weeks, they get an entire extra year on his contract. And I just can't imagine a world in which the race wouldn't want to do that and probably not want to do that early. I think uh, working against Malik Smith as well is the race have promoted a guy named Shane Peterson, uh, who was brought in from outside the organization, kind of a uh, intended to be depth at Durham player. He's another left-handed hitting outfielder. But if the Rays try to demote him now, he will have to go through waivers. They risk losing him. And early in the season is the time that, that you really lose those kinds of players. So I do wonder if when Malik Smith is healthy, if they just put him in Durham, stash him away for a couple weeks, and, uh, you know, wait for things to sort themselves back out. Uh, like you said, he could also probably use everyday at-bats as well. But I think he's proven, uh, Malik Smith has proven that he's a very exciting player. It's just a minor hamstring strain. Uh, strain. He'll come back. And mm-hmm. I think he's going to make this race team very, very exciting. We should mention how he got here. So Malik Smith was the player with the Braves. And uh, when promoted, did not have great offensive success, was not super inspiring, but was great on defense. And the Rays very clearly targeted Malik Smith, a Tallahassee native, to be part of their future. Um, A near major league ready uh, defensive wonder kid is uh, a Rays type, I guess you could say. And they acquired him via Seattle. They forced Seattle's hand into giving him to us, right? Yeah, it was a. Uh, he had a very quick trip to to uh, to Seattle. It was a what was it, fifty six minute uh, time? Yeah, just with, about uh, with with the uh, with the Mariners, which he which he always calls about the you know the um the the best fifty six minute minute career with the Mariners he's ever had. Um, but yeah, he he uh, he. Uh, you mentioned the offense. I, I just do want to point out though, 
his offense with the bits with the Braves uh, was was not great. However, that was because he also saw some time against left-handed pitching. Uh, he he had a negative negative uh, sixteen WRC plus against left-handed pitching, but against, but against righties uh, that was a one twenty WRC plus. So yeah yeah he might be more of a platoon bat uh, going forward, and and you know getting a lot more of that value from the defense, kind of like Kevin Kiermeyer sort of started out, started out until he forced the hand that he had to play every day as a defensive defensive center fielder, and now mm-hmm. has developed even more bad. Um, it's it's possible that uh, the Malik is a guy that could. If he could be adequate, adequate against left-handed pitching, he could maybe get some more playing time. But even if he is just he is just a, a platoon guy, um, he has the long side, long side of the platoon, uh, great, great glove, and uh, a definitely more than serviceable bat uh, with some some extra base pop, pop uh, against right-handed hitting or right-handed right. pitching, I should say. Say, I think he's going to be a role player. I think he's going to be fantastic, and I think he's not going to be. Uh, the future of this lineup until next year. So uh, as as thrilling as it is to have Malik back, we should probably plow on forward. Uh, so Corey Dickerson, uh, mostly the DH, he's kind of sharing that with Shane Peterson right now. Right field, Steven Souza, center field, Kevin Kiermeyer, and the backup for all of them is Peter Borges? Borges, yeah. I, yeah. I, I always question how to say it because I look at it and I think, is this French? Yeah, um, <laughs> he does not he, go with the bourgeois. Yeah, exactly. He tried to win a job with the uh, White Sox, and it did not work out for him. Uh, but apparently he was a player that the Rays targeted all year. Uh, he also has incredible defense. He is a true 24th, 25th man kind of defender. He does hit from the right side, so he's been getting a lot more starts than you otherwise might think be uh, warranted. Or wanted, and, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, Um but I imagine him just kind of sticking around for a while because he's right-handed. And apparently that seems to be something that is, uh, is uh, lacking on this roster. So we'll see how much of him we see throughout the year. But, you know, he's 31. He's just trying to make it work. Shane Peterson, he's also just about 30. Uh, but my last interesting note on the outfield, and I think we should move on from there. Uh, he is six foot 225. Shane Peterson is a big boy. He is a big guy. He his head doesn't make him look like a big guy. He's it's not like a Barry Bond situation, but he's a big <laughs> dude, and uh, because two twenty five is what Steven Souza weighs, and he's four inches higher. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Let's plow on forward to the infield. Uh, yeah. So with the infield, we also and it's like the common theme. Common theme as we go down the list will be, uh, boy, we are are still missing that one guy that was exciting to get. Uh, from the mm-hmm. offseason, and that and that that would be Matt Duffy, who he, who he acquired last year, who then had to miss the end miss the end of the season, uh, kind of shut him down early to to uh, preserve his health and, and get him to to heal up, and he's still reco- recovering from that Achilles injury. The good news for him is the Rays only put him on the ten day disabled list, even though they knew it was going to be longer. Uh, the the consequence there is if they had put him on the sixty day disabled list, they would have said Matt Duffy's not returning until June. Um, maybe giving them more room on the roster to play with because of the rules, they could add an extra player. But they really think he's going to come back. And right now, he's actually traveled to Baltimore with the team, which means uh, you know the Rays are thinking about activating him essentially, or at least getting him close and getting him in the clubhouse and getting him with the other players. And so this is a this is the kind of thing that happens when. Players are really close. Uh, he might, you know, do 
two or three games in Durham or something like that as part of his rehab, and that's fine. Maybe even longer if it's warranted. Uh, Colby Rasmus has certainly done more than that, but that involved an outfield collision and him getting re-injured as he recovered from hip surgery. Uh, also off-season surgery for Duffy. It should be exciting to have him back. Like you said, contact hitter. Uh, historically, he's hit something like fifth. Uh, really been a get-him-over kind of guy for the Giants. And uh, I think the Rays really, really, really love his defense, uh, particularly his throws to first base. Um, and his limited appearances... Uh, it really seemed like the atmosphere around the club uh, quieted, got a lot more confident in the up-the-middle defense when it was uh, Matt Duffy at short. So that's not to poo-poo on Tim Beckham, though. So let's jump to him. Tim Beckham, yeah. is he a bench player or is he a starter? Because right now he's proven to be pretty capable. I think Tim Beckham, Beckham is a kind of, kind of similar to Malik Smith in a lot of ways. He is, a, I think, a very, very valuable, useful uh, role player. Uh, I think he has done an admirable job being forced into the starting starting position. And uh, he's another guy that has taken his lumps uh, uh, from the fans uh, early on. Mm-hmm. And obviously a lot of the expectations come with that. Um, it's it's one thing to be, you know, a, a per, above average um, major league shortstop who can play above above average defense uh, at shortstop. That's hard to find. You want a little bit more, a little bit more than that from the first overall pick. Um but, but Tim Beckham is a useful player, a really useful player, and he's done pretty well. He's a guy that probably shouldn't see too much right-handed pitching, and he's had he's had to uh, endure quite a bit of that, which has really hurt his line early on. Early on, um, but he's he's kind of soldiered through. He's he's been a very very he, he's done everything the team has really asked of him, and they've asked they've asked quite a bit. But he is uh, he's done really well. And I, I, I think there is a role for him on this team. I think you saw coming into the offseason, you had him, had him and Nick Franklin um, in kind of a sort of a spring training kind of battle to see who, who would be the sort of super utility guy. guy. Um, Beckham being right-handed definitely helps. Him being a, being a better defender uh, really helps. Uh, but I think Beckham overall, overall just is a better player. He, he's, a, he's a fairly useful full, uh, major league guy, and he's... He's done a really solid job so far. Yeah, there's something about his defense that still doesn't make me feel as confident as it was when Matt Duffy was out there. People would say, hey, wasn't Matt Duffy a third baseman? He was a shortstop his entire career. Uh, his major league career was at third base. Um, yeah, then, then the guy moving... named Brandon Crawford sort of blocked him. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to be blocked by one of the best... Uh, kind of defensive shortstops, you know, you know, you have around. So, yeah, no no fault of Duffy's own, really. Tim Beckham has settled into his role as time has gone by, which I'm okay with, uh, that, that learning curve that kind of has to happen. But moving away from the bag for Tim Beckham has never really felt comfortable. And if anything, it's felt a little Jeter-esque. He seems to be working a little too hard for it or maybe doing a jump throw, mm. which might look visually very impressive, uh, particularly when it works out to his advantage. But... At the same time, you know, you you wonder if it's necessary. And I'm not sure that he's the answer for an everyday shortstop role. He has been spelled twice by Daniel Robertson, who you had mentioned, Nick Franklin, earlier. He's gone. He's off the roster. The Rays released him to make room for rookie Daniel Robertson. And he played two starts at short, but he's really been the true 25th man roster, even playing a little bit of left field, filling in here and there. Um, I think the Rays learned Tim Beckham is not suited to an outfield role. 
uh, and Daniel Robertson was kind of that. Uh, he was a high pedigree prospect, and now's the time to see what he's worth. Uh, he's appeared in 10 games so far. Um, he's got one home run to his name, which is great, because then you get covered in bubble gum or whatever the heck it is that uh, the celebration is. Yeah, the double but, bubble uh, bath. Like, the, double, the double bubble shower there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a feel-good story just to have a kid in the majors. I feel good about it. I'm excited that he's here. Uh, Daniel Robertson has always had pythons for arms, so it's nice to see those actually in action. Uh, other than just in spring training. Uh, he is not an, a starter. I'm not convinced Tim Beckham's a starter either. I think we're going to feel best having Matt Duffy back uh, back in to the right of Evan Longoria, who is his old self, is he not? Uh, uh, depends upon which old self you want to talk about. Uh, he's mm. he, he, he is a, as solid a defensive uh, third baseman, baseman as... You will see. I mean, he he makes so many difficult plays look e- look easy that I think it's easy to take him for granted. I, I think his I think his his defensive prowess is so easy to sort of you know go ho hum, e- even though he's you know charging on a really tough weak grounder that he, scoop, that he scoops up and then throws the first perfectly for the out, and you're just and you're just like oh yeah of course whatever he's gonna get it. Um, that's a tough play. That's not a play that play that a lot of third basemen make. He is right. a tremendous third baseman he still is and yes his bat isn't quite uh maybe as as potent as it was last season but he but he also started off kind of slow last season too so so we'll see he he's still a a, uh he's still a good hitter um um, he started off a little slow so far in april but you know he's gonna be there you know he know he brings the defense he he's just you know he's what can you say what can you say he's a rock he's he's the guy you know you can really count on to be a middle of the the order bat that uh, that you know is just is just a nice calming influence on the team and a, and a good guy to have uh, uh, day in and day out for this club. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's very clearly the gray beard, even if his uh, giant beard to start the season was not gray. Um, he's been much better since he shaved it off. It off too, like that was his big. Uh, that's true. Samson. He he got rid of it, rid of it, and then immediately started uh, lacing the ball a lot more. I think you know, you know, for some people the beard works, but for for Longo, he was just you know he he had enough, had enough. He's just remarkably consistent. It's as you were saying. Um, he makes difficult plays look easy, and I think his ability to day in and day out go out there and give confidence to a pitching staff to trust that if something's going to the right field, he's going to be there. Uh, more times than not, uh, I think I can only think of one game this season where Longo had mistakes. Uh, one out of twenty is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll take those out there. Good. <laughs> uh, if, I mean, if you go to Fangraphs and filter, Evan Longoria is going to be near the top on their defensive ratings, regardless. And um, the Tampa Bay Rays just won Game Twenty Two of the season. By the way, that's happening Woo-hoo. in the background right now. Two zero. Over the Orioles, they also have 11 wins now, and the division remains competitive. So that's fun. That's, um, that's competitive, competitive 11 wins through one of the toughest uh, opening months that any team is facing, is facing in baseball. So we, this was always a thing. If we can get through April 500, uh, kind of jumping around, but that you know, if we can get through April 500, we're in good shape, on track for that. So right, we, we're talking good through stuff. all these injuries. Yeah. The Rays do have the uh, major league lead for players on the disabled list, which is terrible. Um, 
but Matt Duffy's a part of that. Malik Smith is a part of that. Colby Rasmus is a part of that. These are our names that a casual fan would know, and the Rays are surviving without them. Uh, Evan Longoria, I'm not sure how much there is left to say about him other than just thank you for continuing to be a Tampa Bay Ray and signing ridiculously long contracts because I have nothing but confidence in him. I think he's hitting left-handed pitching just fine. I think the right-handed pitching is going to come back around. It's not like he's hitting below replacement level. And as you said, April is a typically a little bit of a weird time for him and he's going to be fine. So. Yeah. And, and, and his, and when he, when he is not doing well, he's still a better player than, than a lot of, a lot of other guys. So it's like, it is sort of, you know, he, he has the expectations of patience of himself, which is always tough for some players, especially when you get up there in age is, is you might be better than a lot of, uh, other player players at your position, but if you're not better than the old you, old you, which is always hard to be as good as your old you, uh, you kind of get unfairly, fairly dinged in a way. But yeah, he's there's not much to say about Longo. Longo, besides he is uh, he he's just he's just awesome to be there. Be there, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I just I feel you know I feel confidence as a fan, so I can only imagine imagine if you're a young starting pitcher like Blake Snell, that it's just nice to have to have uh, that guy who. He's just 31. He's a year older than me. Than me. Uh, he is not an old man. Yet I'm talking about him like he is a a uh, a, a grizzled uh, old fur trader who's who's just uh, <laughs> who just knows the world, who's seen it all. Um, you but, try to look. But like he is. I try to look like him. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to keep the beard though. That, that's uh, I, that's all my power. Uh, the guy who was the shortstop last year, who became the first baseman, and is now the second baseman, is Brad Miller. And Brad Miller continues to be hitting the cover off the ball. He's got a 123 weighted runs creation plus. Uh, so he's performing uh, a quarter beverage. Beverage? Wow. A quarter <laughs> above is. average. Got to test, test him for those beverages he's drinking before the games, apparently. <laughs> uh, it's very potent Gatorade. It's, it's, uh, the, it's the Babe Ruth diet. Get like a, a, a nice big can of beer and a hot dog and go out there and mash. No, no batting gloves needed. My favorite thing about him right now is uh, pitchers are still afraid of Brad Miller. He has a 15% walk rate. That's the highest on the club. And I think as long as pitchers are pitching away from someone on offense, that's how you know that they are still to be feared. And I think uh, we were concerned that Brad Miller's renaissance last year was not going to carry over. So far, he only has one home run. uh, So maybe he's not the identical power hitter the Rays have played a bunch of games at home. But my goodness, he still seems like a very productive out, uh, offensive player. Yeah, and, and you look at his numbers; he's he's pretty much right. He's doing what he did last year. Here, you know, he's kind of, uh, he, he's hitting hard contact. You know, he was thirty five percent last year. He's at thirty eight point eight percent this year. Uh, uh, so his fly ball percentage is about five percent less. So you know that that ticks up a little bit. He's going to get more the carry over the wall. So I'm not worried at all about all about Brad Miller. He's still like like you said. He's a guy that pitchers don't want to want to groove a pitch to, and uh, he he's also been a massive triples guy this year. He hasn't hit the home runs, but his but his slugging percentage is nice and high thanks to mm-hmm. some some great triples. So he's so he's showing off the wheels. Um, but yeah, Miller's a a guy that. You know, hit defensively, we he still kind of hasn't found his niche. Niche, I think second base is probably the best spot, but how long he stays there, he's there is going to be up to when some other prospects come up and, and when when kind of moves have to be made. So defensively, you know, he he's he's still not uh, 
a guy you love in the field, but offensively, offensively, there's there's just you know not much to criticize. He is he is a a, a really really good get. And uh, between Malik Smith and Brad Brad Miller and and numerous other uh, Seattle Mariners turned turned uh, uh, players, <laughs> this is a uh, it's a it's a good pipeline. You know they they they're getting you know that Taylor Motter's doing well for them right now in Seattle. So also just you know it's a good friendly trading thing. We just switch players and everything everything works out and everybody's happy. It's worth mentioning we traded you to Seattle as well. Yes, yeah. Now it's true. This is true. This is how this is how this is how Tampa works. Now I am now I'm uh, over here in the west on the west coast, right below Seattle, and it's it's just the way it goes. You know, there's just there's just either Rays caps or Mariners caps. That's just back and forth. You mentioned uh, a prospect coming up to challenge for uh, maybe Brad Miller's job. I would also say maybe if uh, the Matt Duffy experience at shortstop is not everything it needs to be, particularly with his heel injuries, the Achilles stuff, um, Matt Duffy could slot into second as well and maybe even force Brad Miller away. When Willie Adamas comes up, he's the only uh, infield prospect on the 40-man roster, and I think... Uh, I think that's interesting because Logan Morrison is manning first base and not the switch hitting first round draft pick Casey Gillespie, who is in Durham. So Logan Morrison came back again. Uh, were you excited or were you not? I will be totally honest. And I, uh, I, 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 I cursed to myself in the mm. uh, visitor center at Gettysburg. I, I, I got the message and I uh, was touring and it was the second biggest tragedy that happened at Gettysburg. No, uh, oh that's, that's so horrible. It's so horrible. Um, no, it, Logan Morrison coming, Morrison coming back, especially with uh, Chris Carter, kind of a guy, like a very, very, very shiny piece out there. Chris Carter, you know, big home run guy who hits right-handed. Uh, he was exactly the type of guy that we were kind of, kind of like salivating over. And then Logan Morrison gets signed. Gets signed. And you're like instead of Chris Carter, yes. And well, yeah, he he gets he gets signed, and you're like, I what? And then like minutes later, it, it, it Chris Carter signs with the Yankees, and you're like, oh, I why why <laughs> what is happening in life? Yeah, no, it was a uh, it was not great. However, this is where we 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 write about stuff and try to sound smart, and this is why sometimes sometimes the human element really does play a fact because there, there was a lot of talk that you know you know Logan Morrison is just. Again, he's a he is a charisma uh, uh, volcano. I'm just going to keep throwing out different natural events. He is a, he is a, he is a guy that's just apparently everybody loves to be around, and he just seems like a like a, a really good teammate type of dude. And and they wanted that kind of veteran veteran presence. Uh, and it was not would, would not have been my choice. Uh, I don't think it was. What was your what was your impression of of uh, the return of Lomo? I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised because he was so enormously popular in the clubhouse even while he was injured and you would hear the veterans like Longoria say man I really hope he comes back that's not something Longoria would normally say about any player he kind of knows the drill but even he was making it vocal like hey we really like this guy please don't take him away from me and you know the Rays ended up going with Logan Morrison instead of someone like Chris Carter who was randomly available and also cheap or someone like Eric Thames, Thames, Eric Thames, excuse me. Thames, uh, he was Thames, like coming back. Right, exactly. He was coming back from uh, Korea back to Major League Baseball. Uh, he wanted guaranteed first base time, and the Rays said, you know what, we can't give you guaranteed first base time. So he went and signed in Milwaukee. 
Uh, it's been going pretty well. Pretty he just well. hit his 11th home run of the season, according to the oh. notification I just got. So he, he he really really hates the city of Cincinnati. He that would be, that would be his eighth home run of his 11 against Cincinnati. He I don't know what I don't know what Cincinnati did. He just is not like I guess chili on uh, spaghetti. Spaghetti. He is just like that is an abomination, and he is taking it out in their poor Reds. Reds. Because wow. <laughs> yeah, no joke. That's astounding. Um, but yeah, t- Tim's would have uh, uh, Eric Thames would have been a, a really interesting. I know you were like like kind of banging the banging the table for him, um, but that's just one of those tough situations that that for the for the Rays that they were in on him. They they obviously identified him as a as an awesome an awesome piece, and it's hard when you're this this team when you team when you do have a guy like Casey Gillespie and Jake Bowers who who's playing the outfield, but he can also play, also play first base. You have two of your top five prospects who, who can play first base who are pretty much ready to go right now. And you, it's hard to give a three-year deal to mm-hmm. a guy who's 30 coming back mm-hmm. from Korea who mm-hmm. has to play first. Otherwise, he'll be kind of upset. And it's, it's, it's one of those tough situations where if the Rays did have more money, more money and they could take that chance, they could sign him. And if it didn't work out, work out who, who cares? But if it doesn't work out, then you're, then you're really, really stuck. And not that... You know, uh, I think anybody was anybody was going to assume that he'd be like James Loney, but we kind of saw how that that deal, that three year deal, really, really uh, kind of s- strapped the the Rays, and it, and it was a big a big kind of kind of albatross on their neck. So uh, it's right. tough to miss out on a guy like him, especially with actually with how awesome he is. But I'm still rooting for him out in Milwaukee. He's a great story, and it's just awesome that he is uh, just destroying baseballs, and we get and we get we're getting to hear um, Korean broadcasts. Uh, of course, call yeah. those because that's because that because that is just the most exciting. That's like the best. Um, but yeah, good, good, good for Eric Thames. Um, but let's get let's get back to Lomo because this guy came back and all of us, all of us, you know, snarky writers were all like, "Oh my god, this is the why." You know, okay, clubhouse, sure, whatever. Uh, but he's he's not a good player. But you know what? He's a pretty good, pretty good player. And the second well, half he was of last a season. Coaster. Uh, we he, got he was a roller coaster. roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, so April was just a disaster last year for him. Uh, what he had like three hits and his forty plate appearances to start the year. It was a disaster. Um, May he was the literal polar opposite. Um, uh, One hundred and sixty weighted runs crazy in place. I looked at it recently. It was something absurd. And then uh, he, Every, he, he cooled back off again, and then he was great again. Um, his first half was below replacement level, but his second half, uh, I do know, was a 139 WRC+. Move to 2017 after that great second half. His WRC+, plus this year, is a 136. So 139 in the second half last year, 136 right now in the first month. Uh, he seems to be at least, you know, at a macro level, something similar to what he was before. He has four home runs on the year so far. He has 12 runs batted in. Uh, that's lacking only behind Steven Souza. Uh, he seems to be doing just fine. And the Rays get that one-year deal out of him to not clog mm-hmm, up the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got his strikeout rate is pretty low. Uh, his walk rate is above 10%. Actually, I think it's remarkable to say most players on the race have a walk rate above 10%. Um, it's more of an exception to rule when you don't. Uh, 
And uh, I I think the Rays should be proud and very comfortable because Logan Morrison is a good defender. And he's proven to be him same, his same self, at least on offense. And I think it's a, a short-term answer when there's long-term answers on the way. Not only Jake Bowers, Casey Gillespie, uh, come what may. So I, I feel good about it. I don't think it's as sexy as the other ideas were. But the chemistry in the club does seem to have benefited from it. He's a good defender, and he's hitting just fine. So uh, with Logan Morrison, it's going to be, what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. Uh, as long as he's in a raised uniform. But it seems to be going okay. Uh, The only guy we have not talked about so far is the other half of the first base platoon, and that was another huge clubhouse signing in Ricky Weeks Jr. Yes. I mean, I feel good about it. So, so Ricky, um, he he is he's had some some rough luck, and we're we're up next. We're going to talk about the 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 finish up the um, offense and talk about the catchers, and we'll really talk about some tough, some tough luck. But Ricky Weeks, um, he he was a really good really good signing. He was a really smart signing. He was a guy we we were trying to. I think I think him and Franklin Gutierrez were like two of the names that we were kind of looking at as we we need right-handed platoon bats, and they both smash lefties. So uh, let's get him. Ricky came in on a minor league deal, and really uh, quite quite uh, uh, impressive signing because we got him in on a minor league deal. He 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 did well in spring training. He earned his job. Uh, he he's not been his strongest self so far, but he's also hit some some tough balls that just found gloves so he is he's is, he is kind of starting off but he is a, a useful bench piece on this team and another kind of other kind of veteran piece because when you do have a team with a lot of young young guys it is nice nice to have a couple of guys that have at least been around the block a block a few times right he's being asked to do something really difficult and that's be a bench player mm-hmm. uh he was with the diamondbacks last season which is his first time uh, really hopping around but when the race picked him up he immediately became what the Rays needed in the clubhouse. Not just Logan Morrison, but Ricky Weeks is a veteran presence, and he's really, uh, by all accounts, changed the culture. He's been able to walk in and not only provide tutelage to guys like Tim Beckham, who were on the outs last season, who were demoted last season and not called back up in September because of behavioral issues or whatever it was. Um, he, He was able to improve Tim Beckham to the point where he can be a starter and that alone is helpful, but every single player across the board uh, has said, wow, Ricky Weeks, I'm just so glad he's here. The way he goes about his business, the way uh, he influences all of us has just been so positive and so great. And when the Rays are in a tight division and you need to stay loose and there's going to be these ups and downs, uh, you know, losing games in the rain and then turning around and wanting to win the next day, uh you know, Ricky Weeks is going to have to come in off the bench and, and help on offense. That's true. And he's been mostly capable on defense. Uh, one uh, big yeah. mishap <laughs> at first base with uh, Brett Gardner in New York uh, aside, um, which is Brett Gardner okay? I think he's okay. Yeah, but, he, he, he came back, but it was, uh, it, was a, it was a scary moment. It was a scary moment. They both, uh, they both looked like they just got, you know, hit by cars right there, but... Because because Gardner's a a, st- a stacked little dude and uh, Ricky Weeks is uh, no no uh, twig either. He's there. He's he's a pretty buff guy. So th- those guys colliding like full speed. Um, it, it was a, a scary moment out, out out there. But luckily, I think both guys are doing all right. Um, I think he will improve with time. 
uh, in terms of what's in the spreadsheet. I think that's just a matter of him getting more reps. And when you're waiting for left-handed pitching to show up and you're playing off the bench, there's a penalty for that. And I think Weeks will prove himself uh, in the spreadsheet soon enough. He's already proved himself in the clubhouse, and I think uh, we can all feel good about his signing. So, catchers. Yes. We, we've added a uh, another Mariner, of course, in this situa- situation because there has to be at least four former Mariners at all times on the 25-25 man. It's a rare rule, but it is in place, and I believe will not fight it. Uh, and that's Jesus Sucre, who is basically the the uh, the second fiddle. He's been solid. Um, he's been the second fiddle to a guy that, that uh, I think I've wanted for a long time, uh, a guy that a lot of people um, were kind of always tagged as a, as a, a guy who a guy would be a really good starter. And uh, we'll talk about the guy who we actually ended up ended up getting as a starter, who's also on the DL, because every position in every every uh, single level in the team has a guy that ooh, when this guy comes back, we have we have an all star ready. Um, right. But that's Derek Norris. Derek Norris was signed uh, after he got cut by the um, Nationals after they mm-hmm. they signed signed Matt Wieters, and they they cut uh, Derek Norris due to his salary salary. The Rays were able to pick him up, and uh, uh, Derek Norris Norris he's got a tremendous beard. He's got a good glove behind the plate, and he is absolutely crushing baseballs to the tune of a 8-8 WRC plus so far in the season. But it is the most deceptive, deceptive, deceptive number. Eight, uh, eight. So that's ninety-two percent below replacement level. He has a batting average of one sixty-four and a slugging slugging percentage of one eighty-two. That's good for an ISO of eighteen. But if you count it by the race standards, that's actually slightly <laughs> better. <laughs> And one as, Jose as, Molina. As Rays, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as Rays catchers go, he is already getting his number retired. Tired. Uh, he's already there. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, yeah, Danny, what do you think of uh, of the catching right right now? We'll talk about the Buffalo uh, in the room in a in a moment. But what about the catching currently uh, here at April twenty fifth? Twenty fifth. I mean, Norris was a godsend. That was the kind of luck that the Rays do not typically have on the free agent market. There's normally not a situation where a guy comes available like a Chris Carter that you wouldn't expect. And, you know, Chris Carter goes to the Yankees. It's and that, you know, I don't think that was widely predicted, but it makes sense. You know, if you have a a fringe starter like that, who would be a veteran, great major league contributor, how often do they pick Tampa Bay? It's almost never. And in fact, uh, I think the reports said that Norris turned down more money from Toronto to come yes. be on the Rays roster. And I i mean, I'm just so, I was so thankful and grateful and said, wow, our catching situation is so much better than it could have possibly otherwise been. I mean, Jesus Sucre, who you mentioned, uh, sweet Jesus Sucre uh, was the fourth string catcher for Seattle. And he was enormously popular, particularly with guys like Chris Archer. Um, they loved pitching to him. They loved the way that he called games. And so he earned a place uh, even though he was not on the 40-man roster at the time, he kind of snuck in under the radar. But Derek Norris is a starter. He's an everyday guy. Uh, he's caught you know 140 games every year. Uh, he really, really only had one bad offensive season and is hoping to return to being a good offensive player. But even if he isn't, uh, he has the glove and the consistency and the framing and the blocking and everything else that goes along with it to be a starting guy. And eventually the Rays can slowly work into the mix. Uh, the guy who's supposed to be there, um, who's currently on the 60-day disabled list, as you mentioned, Wilson Ramos, the Buffalo. 
between Norris and Ramos, that is a very, very intimidating catching duo. Um, it's it's pretty much the pretty much the best catching duo the Rays have ever had in their franchise history. Devil Rays and Rays. Um, um, it's it's not hyperbole because Derek Norris Norris would be a guy that I think would be a, a great starter for the Rays and somebody you really really want catching every day, and he's going to be the backup when Wilson Ramos is ready. And yeah, more than both likely. of these. Both of these guys are, just sort of fell kind of into the Rays' lap yeah, by circumstance. Um, Derek Norris, by the fact that he, the, the Nats, the Nats signed a more expensive catcher. Um, yeah, Matt Weeters. But uh, and then he got he got cut, and he yeah you mentioned he turned down down um, more money supposedly uh, from the Blue Jays because of because of playing time. Which who knows he could have been playing center field tonight. He could have been out there out there uh, <laughs> with Russell Martin. They could have just he might have been pitching a couple innings. Might get a, might get a nice you know get the eighth inning in there. Um, but no yeah he's, he's hitting he like chose... a Blue Jay for what it's worth. <laughs> oh shots fired. Mm. This is gonna start an international war. I have I have too many friends that are Blue Jays fans. We need to dial it down. Oh yes yes yeah. <laughs> so. So, uh, Wilson Ramos, Ramos is a guy. So I, um, I, I lived the last couple of years in uh, DC, DC, so I saw a lot of Wilson Ramos behind the plate. He is a, a, a guy that I didn't even think I would be possibly available to, to sort of dream about or kind of envision a scenario, even with the injury. Um, he he uh, had an amazing year. His, his best, best uh, season in the major leagues last season uh, before, uh, before a brutal uh was it acl tear yeah um, the knee um, injury just so bad right at the end of the season i mean just like a, a less than less than two weeks from the end of the season he he went down i mean he was hitting uh, uh he, he had 22 home runs a wrc plus of 120 um and obviously behind the plate he's one he's one of the best defensive catchers uh in the game right now he's he's great at at, at framing he uh he can control the running game um, um, for those fans of, of the idea of a catcher, you know, kind of calling a calling a good game, uh, the Nats pitchers really like throwing to him. So, so, so he's a guy that's just all around is just a tremendous, tr- tremendous catcher, and he would not be a Ray right now if it wasn't for that injury. Um, but the Rays are taking a chance on chance on him, and Wilson Ramos is kind of giving the Rays uh, uh, a deal is sort of a, a, a nice mutual pairing. He's going to try to mm-hmm. work, work as hard as he can hand it is. He has a great work ethic. So he's going to really try to showcase what he can do. And that's good for the Rays is for uh, what he gives us this year um, it, for the few months. He'll be, he'll be here this year and then uh, going into next season. Right. It's a two year deal. So whatever he becomes this year, whether or not that becomes the designated hitter and, uh, Corey Dickerson is playing left field sometimes. I, you know, who knows what their situation is going to be. Uh, but Ramos should be available to DH or catch. Um, probably DH first and then working to catching once he's, you know, getting consistent in the lineup. But man, I'm excited. I think Ramos' uh, offensive potential uh, makes him the clear number one once he's completely healthy. But uh, as far as, as trusting the battery, uh, I think you're right. I think this could be the best catching duo the Rays have ever had, but it needs to work out. Uh, returning from injury is not an easy thing. I think the last thing that we should chat about today is just how deep the disabled list is right now because it's mm-hmm. so infuriating. Um, 
what we haven't really chatted through yet is the pitching side. I think we need to save that for the next time. Uh, but the disabled list is deep, and most notably, it's all of the setup men the Rays possibly could have called upon this year. Sean yes. Tolleson uh, had a back strain and then also maybe, maybe not an arm strain. They put him on the 60-day, so we're not going to see him until June. Uh, Tommy Hunter, who the Rays were heavily leaning on uh, to be a high-leverage pitcher this year, even though he was sent on a minor league deal, he pitched uh, for two playoff teams. He pitched for the Orioles and for the Indians last year. Uh, he was trustworthy with both squads. Uh, but he's got a calf strain, and uh, even though he's on the 10-day disabled list, it's probably going to be June until we see him. Uh, Brad Boxberger has a flexor strain in his arm. Uh, who knows how he's going to return from that? And Xavier Cedeno, literally the only left-handed pitcher in the bullpen, is on his way to see Dr. James Andrews. So, And the only lefty on the 40-man, uh, except for uh, low, a, low A, Jose Alvarado. Right, so Jose Alvarado's in Double A, and I'm not sure he could hit the side of the trop if he wanted to. So, <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> that was a Rule Five uh, protection putting him on the 40 man. So I don't think it's a yeah. He's he's not really an option. But basically, the only yeah the only only uh, only lefty that that can throw right now on the 40 man in the in the major leagues is visiting James Andrews. And um, other than Blake that, Snell, that's, Blake Snell's in the rotation. Let's keep it well. Back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think that's a better use than than uh, setup man. But yeah, anytime anytime you have a pitcher that says he's going to be visiting Dr. James Andrews, uh, that's 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 a bad it's a bad sentence. Right. Um, on the forty man roster, there's plenty of other players who are hurt as well. Uh, Jose De Leon kind of uh, had to go to extended spring training, so maybe. Uh, he was newly acquired in the Logan Forsyth trade. He looks like a starter. He could have come up to fill some of these needs. He pitched for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. He looked great. Uh, he did pretty well in spring training, but the Rays kind of said, hey, look, you need a little bit more time in the minors. Um, so he, he didn't make the 25-man roster, but he's been slow to get back into the swing of things. Uh, Jamie Schultz had a groin injury. Jamie Schultz is a lights-out minor league you know, 97, 98 mile an hour kind of reliever. He's injured. He's not on the major league disabled list, but he would have been helpful. Um, and he, he would have definitely gotten a call, gotten a call up by this point too, with the, the injuries, he could have seen some action. Yeah, it's rough. And then also the race have uh, Jake Odorizzi is the last one on the major league side. Who's been on the disabled list. He has a simulated game coming up, but he took a, uh, a liner off the hamstring, a little comebacker to the mound that uh, by all accounts left a deep, 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 just gross-looking bruise. Uh, he said he felt fine, but uh, he was pitching in a game, felt a little grab down there, and uh, the race have made him sit out two starts. So it's uh, it's a mess right now. But as uh, JT Morgan pointed out on the site today, uh, Thursday's an off day, and then there's one other off day in a stretch of 50 days. So 50 days, 48 games. And the Rays have the lead in the disabled list, 11 on the major league side, not counting the minor league side. Um, I think uh, I think we'll go deep on the pitching side in our next podcast. But my goodness, uh, just staying 500 right now would be an accomplishment. And I it, think it really a, would. Yeah, there's a lot of optimism on the offense side. Do you have any other final thoughts on uh, what the offense side of this roster looks like? Well, I, I think right now, right now, you, you have a team that is leading uh, or, or right at the top of the list of so, of so many offensive categories in baseball, uh, mm. and that's 
in the major the major leagues. Uh, that's that's everybody, and they have they have been really been really hitting well. They've been scoring runs, and they are stay, staying competitive. Um, so far, of their eleven losses on the season season, you really can't point to any that were like, well, they they really didn't have didn't have a chance in this one. They they've mm-hmm. all had parts where they they pretty much were there were there, and these have all been against teams that are good. They're not they're not they have not like had any cream puffs. I mean, except for the Blue Jays. Again, sorry, we're just keep hitting them while they're down, they're down. But at the at the start of the season, they did have Tulowitzki still healthy. They did have Josh Josh Donaldson still healthy. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't a team that had been ravaged by injury injuries at that point, and they so so the Rays haven't had a uh, easy game. They had to play inside the division, then they had to go outside outside of the division, and they get Miguel Cabrera and the Detroit Tigers, and then they get they get the Houston Astros. Oh, just the team that has the best record in the American, the American League. Uh, this is a this has been a really tough start, and yet and yet the Rays have been competitive. They've they've had games that they could have could have won, and they've they've lost. They've won some games that they probably shouldn't have, and they still have some of their best players and and biggest impact impact players on the DL. Mm-hmm. This is a this is an exciting exciting thing. Uh, Five hundred. Can be pretty frustrating, especially with so many with so many close losses. But this is a, a really really exciting team, especially especially from the offensive side. If if just a few of these guys is, uh, that that the Rays signed that are counting on can come back and and make an impact impact, that's huge. And then we also have also have the prospects potential uh, potentially seeing a guy like Willie Adamas, Adamas, potentially seeing a guy like Casey Gillespie, and potentially seeing a guy like Jake Bowers. There's a lot to like about the future of the Rays, and there's a lot to like about the very present present of the Rays. Yeah, it's a very interesting transition time. Uh, I mean, April has been good for you know a couple guys that had to be good if they wanted to have a long term future with the Rays. Uh, Steven Souza, Corey Dickerson, uh, Brad Miller as well, Logan Morrison. These are guys who are performing very very well in April, and uh, there's not a really great track record for repeating a great April and a great May. Uh, guys who have a great April tend to not have a great May and vice versa. So it will be very telling to see if Souza and Dickerson, for instance, continue to be these huge threats. And I think it's an exciting time to be watching this team, to be following this team. And I think May, uh, you know, we've got two off days coming for the rest of this 50-day stretch (laughs) ahead of us. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be an absolute mess. But uh, coming out on the other side, of May, I think uh, I think we'll know buyers and sellers and all that kind of stuff by then. So we shall see. Uh, hopefully Matt Duffy's back. Hopefully Colby Rasmus is back. Hopefully Malik Smith gets a couple weeks in the minors just so uh, we get that extra year control. And uh, yeah, hopefully Wilson Ramos picks up a bat. But in the meantime, uh, I think we need to leave it there. We feel good about it, huh? Yeah, this is uh, it's been it's been an interesting season, and I think it's going to be a very interesting rest of the uh, rest of the way. So way, so definitely something worth uh, worth tuning in for. Cool. So next week we'll dive into the pitching side. We'll talk about this mess of a bullpen and whether or not uh, the race stand a chance. Uh, we'll talk about the rotation and whether or not Erasmo Ramirez is really going to keep on starting. And uh, you know, maybe if we have time, we'll dive into some prospects, but. This is exciting. I'm really glad to have the hit show back in action, and I'm really looking forward to next week. So on behalf of Darby Robinson, my name is Danny Russell, and we are The Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out.
us out at D-Rays Bay on Twitter and, of course, D-Rays Bay on Facebook.